say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance to be who you want to be. Yeah. You say that things don't ever change. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I, like every single week I am on the show, I say I have a great show because I'm really excited about a great show. It's another exciting, great show. That's what I have. I have another exciting, great show. And you know why I have another exciting, great show? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, I get great guests, and this guest is going to... I'm, I'm telling you, I, I say that these are shows where these shows are for everybody, and then there's these shows where I promise you that the guest that I have right now is going to affect your life in some way, and it's going to affect your life in a positive way, and this show is called A New Direction for a reason, because we help try to find find you a new direction in your life, or your career, and your business, and I'm telling you, Dr. Cormier, who is with us, she's a psychologist, She's going to talk to us about grief, and I know you go, God, Jay, that sounds like such a bummer. No, 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 we'll get to that later. But folks, let's do what we do every week, right? And every week we get together, I say to you, let's check in with the four areas of your life. I believe that we are four-part people. We are physical people. We are mental people. We are emotional people, and we are spiritual people. And so let's go through and check in with you today. How are you doing physically on a scale of one to 10? One, you're miserable. You just don't feel good. 10, gosh, you feel like you're the best that you could be, right? Where are you on that scale? Are you are you, are you taking care of your body? Are you eating right? Are you getting your doctor checkups like you're supposed to, to check to see how you're doing? Are you getting some extra exercise? Are you doing the things that you need to be doing to take care of yourself physically, right? And by the way, you know, not just putting stuff in your body, but you know, it's, it's sometimes taking that extra walk or taking the dog for a walk. Dogs need exercise too, so maybe... You know, doing that, getting something going, get the heart rate moving, get a little extra oxygen. Folks, I could tell you when I used to teach uh, lifespan psychology to, to nursing students, one of the things I used to tell them was, you know, as we age, our oxygen levels have a tendency to decrease. But one of the ways to help prevent that is, you know, you get some exercise, right? Get on a bike, even if it's stationary one. Get on one. And the other thing I can tell you about the physical area of your life is that when you're doing something physically for yourself, it permeates the other three areas. It permeates the way you think mentally. It it helps you emotionally. And it settles you somewhat spiritually too. So the physical is real important. So, okay, you got your number there. Okay, what about mentally? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at mentally? And when I say mentally, what I'm meaning here is what are you engaging your mind with? How are you growing your mind? You know, your brain is a muscle. You know, so how are you exercising that brain? What are you feeding it with? Are you feeding it with positive things? And how are you feeding it? Right? Are you are maybe learning a new instrument? Maybe you're reading more books. Maybe you're maybe you're trying to expand your knowledge or learn a foreign language. All of those things are just great fuel for your brain to grow your brain. And don't forget, you gotta exercise both halves, right? You got your left side, which is the more logical side, and then you got your right side, which is that creative side. Feed both sides of that brain, all right? And remember, on that scale of one to 10, I'm not expecting you to get from a three to a 10. If you're a three today, just get to a 3.5, and what are the steps you're gonna get there to get to a 3.5? Because that's all we're interested in, is just a little baby step of improvement. So where are you at mentally? All right, let's move on. Where are you at emotionally? 
right? How are you doing with your emotions? Scale of one to ten, same scale. One, I'm I'm not doing very well with my emotions, Jay. I, I've had a lot of stuff go on. I'm 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 having a more difficult time trying to control my emotions, and I'm just not doing a very good job of it, right? Of controlling my emotions. So, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to fix that? How are you how are you going to be better? Can you because you know in, you know emotions are one of those things where we could be more intentional, right? Because we can be more intentional about being able to control our emotions. We talk about emotional intelligence and emotional quotients, you know, and 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 how well we're able to be able to control the little things in our life that try to get us, right? We could be in more intentional. Just because I kick you in the shin does not mean you have to kick me back. It doesn't mean you even have to cry. You could laugh at me. You have choices emotionally. You know, but the other part of the emotional equation is too, is how well are you able to relate to someone else's emotions? You know, and guys, I'm talking to you too. Because look, look, guys, I don't care what you say. I have a friend who says he has no serotonin. He's wrong. I promise you he does because he cares about people. All right? And so how well are you able to relate to people emotionally? And then finally, the last area I like to talk about is on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at spiritually? And I know that people will jump on me about, Jay, I'm not spiritual. I'm, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't believe in God. I, folks, can I tell you something? There are so many things that we cannot explain in science that are in this spiritual realm where we connect in some way outside of ourselves. Sometimes we even make ourselves our own God, by the way. You know, I mean, some people say, well, I don't believe in God, but I believe in what I can do. Well, if you believe in what you can do, that makes you your own God. Some people believe in karma. But if you do, you know, how, are, how is that connectedness going? Is it keeping you centered? Is it keeping you at peace? Is it is it giving you a sense of joy? I'm not talking happiness. I'm talking joy, right? If you, if you, if you do believe in God, how's that relationship going for you, right? And what can you do to improve it? If you're connected to nature, what's that like? If you, whatever you're connected to. You know, what are you doing that's outside of yourself that's feeding your soul, right? Because that's what it's about. And by the way, it, this leads me to the guest that I'm about to to talk to you about. She's a psychologist. She's an author. The, the book that I'm showing everybody right now, she can't see it, but it's called Sweet Sorrow. It's Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. It's Dr. Sherry Cormier. Cormier. And I got to be honest with you, folks. Um, I didn't want to read this book. Actually, I wanted to read the book, but then when I started reading it, I didn't want to read it, and I'll explain it. Uh, but we're going to talk to her in a few minutes about this, but before we do that, I need to say to everybody, first of all, we got a brand new sponsor for A New Direction, and that is Inline Business Brokers. Uh, Jeff Snell, CEO and founder, who was actually on this show, enjoyed the show so much, he is now a sponsor. And so Sherry, Dr. Sherry uh, Cormier and her book, Sweet Sorrow, is uh, the first... She's the first sponsee. So uh, are you a business owner? Uh, at some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. So selling your business is a big decision, and you want to make sure you have a great team. And the ideal team and start with is the experts at inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more about inline business brokers and advisors by going to inline.com. That's www.enlign.com, and they are sponsoring uh Dr. Cormier and her book, Sweet Sorrow. So let me tell you about Dr. Cormier. And so Dr. Cormier is a licensed psychologist, and she has been practicing for a long time and a number of years. And uh, she's extraordinarily been extraordinarily successful helping a number of people. 
grow in their life in different areas and helping them find a new direction or find them better direction. She's enhanced the lives of countless numbers of people. She speaks before groups. She, she is uh, an amazing woman. She is a, a, an amazing author. The book is so well written, Sweet Sorrow. Uh, what else can I tell you? She has lived a life um, of someone who, if someone has, has an expertise in understanding grief and loss, she, she probably qualifies as an expert, and I don't want that qualification personally, but she certainly does have that qualification. And to say that uh, this book was, um, and I'm about to tear up, you're watching me live, I'm about to tear up, to say this book was at, on some level life-changing, gut-wrenching, and um, really affected my mind, will, emotions, my soul, my spirit, my body, all of it would to be an understatement of the book that she wrote. So without getting too mushy and without falling apart on the air, I'm just going to say, <laughs> Dr. Cormier, welcome to A New Direction. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm so excited to be here and talking with you and your listeners. And it's great to be the first sponsee of your new sponsor. Kudos to them for signing on and sponsoring this wonderful show. So I'm I'm excited to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. So, Doctor Cormier. Um, so what, and you're welcome to call me Sherry okay. too, Jay. <laughs> okay. So Sherry, I would love to do that because I, we're going to be friends because we're sitting at the right. We're sitting around right. The table. So so Sherry, here's the thing. I, I I want to tell you the truth. I was in Nashville, Tennessee last week, and I was having this great time. In Nashville, and I I read every author's book that does this show. I, I mean, I read them from cover to cover, every book, and it's been a very cool experience for me to you know read you know tw- twenty books in the last twenty weeks. It's been a, it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. Right? My goodness, it's been, wow! It's been a blast, and so I'm reading your book, and all of a sudden. I'm starting to read your book after this. I'm having this amazing time in Nashville, and I find out that your husband's name is Jay. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. So this is okay, folks. You don't understand. I did not know that her husband's name was Jay. Okay. Yeah. And Jay evidently was a fun-loving guy, and and Mm -hmm. uh, psych. He was also a therapist, as I understand it as well. And yeah. um, he uh, evidently had a personality that was that drew people in. And yeah. uh, I stand about six feet five. So if you tell me he's six feet five inches tall, um, <laughs> that's going to be that's going to make it more creepy for me. <laughs> well, he wasn't that tall, okay. so you can relax a little bit. <laughs> okay, well, so here's the other piece. So um, he. I have. I'm going to be real honest. I'm being honest on the air. So I occasionally smoke a cigar and um, have had a past history of chewing tobacco. And mm. he had uh, esophageal cancer. And mm-hmm. and and as soon as it was diagnosed, the next thing is that he goes very very quickly. And this is the love of your life. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I. I mean, I literally read the first 50 pages. And I literally closed the book and said, "I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to read this book, and I'm going to cancel this interview." 
And wow. No, literally, no. So I, I literally was. And then uh, there's, a, there's a part of me, there's this country boy part of me that comes out and says, then if you feel that strongly about it, then you have to do this show and you have to read this book. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. going to do it. So Because maybe there's a, you know, maybe the book, as hard as it might have been for you to read, mm-hmm. was there was a reason it got into your hands. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, there's no doubt. There's, there is no doubt. Matter of fact, I'm scheduling my, because uh, <laughs> I'm 54. You're I'm scheduling. I'm screening. I, I'm, You're scheduling your screening. I am. I'm scheduling my screening because I get blood Good. tested. I get blood tested, you know, a couple times a year and the whole thing. But, you know, Jay got blood tested and his blood test came back normal. Yeah. So do mine, right? Six weeks before he was diagnosed, Jay, with Stage four terminal and operable cancer. Six weeks prior to that, he and I both had this extensive panel of blood work done that was provided as a service by like our Rotary Club or something. Mm-hmm. I think his, his blood work was perfectly normal. In fact, I think it was better than mine. Right. Yeah. So you can't use blood work. It, blood work is not necessarily that reliable. So, you, you know, we really need our screenings, our colonoscopies, our mammographies, our pelvic pap smears for women, our upper endoscopies, especially if you have had a tobacco history or you have any acid reflux. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're getting your screening. Yeah, well, your book did that. Uh, this did the book. The book again is called Sweet Sorrow: Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. And uh, this book, by the way, it's available at every bookstore you can think of. And if they don't have it on the shelf, just ask for it. It's there. It's certainly available on Amazon. It's available on and all the yeah, all the online Amazon, Barnes and Noble, yeah. Books a Million, all the online. Some people just want to buy it with a click, and I understand that. We're, oh, I do too. We're also time challenged. Yeah, you know, I do. T- you know, I get it. Author to author, you know, you know, because I get it. I had to put my book, my first book, out in you know every format, and I'm putting my subsequent books out in every format. You know, you got to do the audible, mm-hmm. the, and you, you did the same thing, the audible, the ebook, and the whole thing. Audible, ebook, Kindle, yes, it, the whole thing, I the whole it. gamut. You're right. It, it is. It's true. That's what we have to do. So let me, and by the way, it's published by uh, Roman and Littlefield uh, is the publisher on this. Um, by the way, great publisher. So let me let me ask you a question, because yeah. w- here in North Carolina, where I am at, uh, you're in in the Raleigh area, right? I am in the Raleigh area, but Hurricane Florence came down through the beach here recently. I know. I have a friend who was who lives near Wilmington, and she stayed, and I know all about it. Oh, so Okay, so we have a place in Carolina Beach, which is right near Wilmington. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Okay, and so we, um, I'm surprised I haven't seen you down there. So anyway, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people were devastated. Some lives were lost. People certainly yeah. lost their houses. And I don't want to compare. Yeah. I don't want to compare somebody's loss to another's loss because I think that doesn't do us any good. But we mm-hmm. all experience loss. We're going it's to. It's universal. It's so universal. You know, I love to tell this story because Sweet Sorrow, I even though I lost my beloved husband, Jay, and my whole, my whole family I lost in the last right. decade too, my dad, 
my mom, my only sibling, even my dog. But, you know, we all lose something sooner or later, Jay. You know, the house to a flood or to a hurricane. We may, refugees lose their country. Uh, we may lose a job. You know, we've got our dream job and then the, the company downsizes. And sometimes it's even a dream. I think it's sometimes for some of us, the loss is more intangible. It's something that we had our heart set on and then something happens and we're not able to pursue that dream. That's a loss. Our health, we can lose our health or, you know, aspects of our health. And I love to tell this story because it, it, it involves a mom, a mother whose son died suddenly. And, you know, she was in some part of the world, not the United States. And she was so devastated, Jay, that she kept carrying her son around and carrying her son around. And she was in a Buddhist culture and she met the Buddha on the road and said, Buddha, I'm sure you can bring my son back to life. And he said, well, I can if you can go around and find me a household that has not been impacted by loss. So she's carrying her dead son's body around and she's weeping and wailing. And But she goes door to door in this small little village and she cannot find any house that has not been impacted by loss in some way. And so then she puts her dead son body down as if to say, you know, I hate that I lost my son. I hate that he died. And yet what I realize is that loss is a human universal experience. And we all suffer from some kind of loss or another. And we're all looking for really uplifting ways to cope with loss and, and deal with suffering and find hope and comfort during these sort of dark times that we have. And, and I, you're, we're, you know, we're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier, uh, author of the book Sweet Sorrow, and we're talking about loss and, and grief. And, and, and folks, listen, I'm, 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 you're out here listening to this, and some of you are going to listen to this later on the podcast. You know, we've all had a family member, a parent, or someone, our dog. I, I mean, listen, if you put down anybody who's close to their animals, let me just tell you something. It, it, <laughs> folks, a dog is, is a family member, and... I remember putting down my sweet Katie, you know, just a couple of years ago in November. It feels like yesterday. And I loved that. I still love that dog. And, I mean, <laughs> you, you watch all, two, all 259, 6 feet 5, 259 pounds of me wept like a baby putting that dog mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, folks, that's just the truth. Loss is going to affect all of us. And we're talking to uh, Dr. Cormier, Dr. Sherry Cormier about loss because she's experienced it. And, 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 and as you said, you've lost your, you lost your husband, you lost your dad, um, who, mm-hmm. also, who also, but you were losing him earlier because he had dementia and right. Yeah, they died within three months of each. My dad died and then my husband died three months after. Three so months after. really within two, within a couple months, I've lost the two most important men in my life. And I was heartbroken. I was devastated. I didn't know how I could go on. And I really waited, though, to write Sweet Sorrow. You know, this I lost my dad and my husband 10 years ago, and then I lost my mom six years ago, my dog four years ago, and my sister just 18 months ago. But I really waited to write the book, Jay, because 
we know that we we know that we don't get over grief. We're not supposed to get rid of grief. But we know that we have the potential to integrate grief into our lives and to heal from loss, which is what I've done and what I talk about in Sweet Sorrow. And I really wanted to wait to write the book to give the reader a better feel for sort of the ebb and the flow of grief over a long period of time and the pro- sort of show the process of healing from loss over time. And, you know, I say to people, gosh, when we go through that period, like just talking about losing your dog and you're 258 pounds and 6'5", and you were blubbering like a baby, which I think we all do when we lose a pet. I think that's very a very challenging kind of loss. And, you know, we talk about this as a sort of a dark night. And yet what we find is that this dark night over time gets transformed and we start having the light come in. And so loss really then becomes a catalyst for awakening. And I like what you said at the beginning, like even spiritual awakening. I think that that one of the ways we heal from loss is we not only do some of the physical tools that you mentioned, like exercise and sleep and eating well and some of the emotional tools like, you know, sort of managing our emotions and how we think. But I think we get more hooked up spiritually and we develop a a sense that there is something greater in the universe than ourselves. And we become um, really sort of servants of the universe and we, we become concerned about our fellow travelers here on earth and their well-being. And we start looking outside of ourselves more. That's one of the ways that we make meaning from loss. And that's a very important way of healing. Yeah, I, I, I want to I hold on to that thought, meaning from loss, because I, I, I want to I come back to that because there is something so vividly true about meaning from loss. So we're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier author of the book Sweet Sorrow, and she's brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers. And Inline Business Brokers have literally helped thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses in here. And when it comes time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and advisors. Jeff Snell, CEO and founder of Inline Business Brokers, was on this show not too long ago during Hurricane Michael, as a matter of fact, in the uh, (laughs) show when we went out several times. And uh, he loved the show so much that he has become a sponsor of today's show and, and Sherry and um, Sweet Sorrow. And so if you please contact them and tell them that you heard about Enline uh, Business Brokers on A New Direction. That's Enline.com, www.enlign.com. And we thank you so much for them uh, and his sponsorship. So I'm going to talk about the meaningfulness piece because... You know, when when loss happens, right? Mm-hmm. I none of us see meaning in it. I mean, I, no, I, none of us <laughs> we're mad. It. Oh my God, yes. We're well, we're we're mad. I mean, I don't want to drag. I don't want to drag and pound on um, Elizabeth Kubler Ross too much, right? But she, I mean, she did write the book on death and dying back in 1969, and mm-hmm. and right and. And you're right. You know, in your book, you said, you know, it's not so linear. And and, and again, I don't think I don't think she I don't think she and acceptance really is going to look like for somebody. But I think it's different for every every person. And I think what's so beautiful about your book 
is that you share your journey. Uh, yeah. uh, and I yeah. think that's what makes your book so beautiful because I you talked earlier about the ebb and flow. It's the, the waves, right? I mean, you're riding the wave. Right. It's going great. You're riding the wave. And then, some, then all of a sudden a tsunami hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and you're off the surfboard and you're trying to even find the surfboard. You're, you're swallowing half the ocean trying to figure out if you can swim. And, and so then you get back up on the surfboard again. And here you are riding the wave, and then bam, you get hit again. And I mean, this is your journey. And 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 folks, this is why this book, Sweet Sorrow. I'm holding it up again so everybody can see it. Uh, this 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 book, Sweet Sorrow. I'm telling you, if you're if you're experiencing loss, and most uh, there's a good portion of people who are still homeless here in the state of North Carolina. I and, know. And and in in uh, and in Florida now Palm too. Beach, Palm Beach, Florida, Mexico Beach. Uh, Palm City, yeah. Florida, Mexico Beach. I know that some of you listen to the show that are down there, uh, folks. Listen, it, this book is her journey, Doctor Cormier's journey, and I'm telling you, it's 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 it, this is a book you want to read. I mean, if you're struggling trying to figure out and make sense of it, and you're trying to find meaning, just watching her find meaning along the way through all of this is one of the most powerful inspirational motivational things that you will you will do for yourself so pick up the book it's called um, sweet sorrow so I want to talk to you about this journey because I, I, first of all and I, I I there were several things that you did in this book that punched me right in the face right and I know that you're not anywhere close to my height or anything or my size <laughs> but literally you smacked me right between the eyes one is all the stupid stuff we say to people who are grieving Yes. Oh my gosh. Out of probably good intentions. It's not that we're malevolent no, no, or mean spirited. It's just that we don't, we're not mindful about, you know, when someone's really in the middle of grief and then we say something stupid. Well, it, we don't think it's stupid, but we say something like, well, God has a reason or there must be a reason or this is part of a plan or I know exactly how you feel. Those are things that to a person who's in the middle of heartbreaking loss, yeah, I know. they they don't sound well. They don't sound they don't come across great because even those like even people like myself and I've been through a lot of personal loss. I've worked with a lot of clients with loss. You know, I don't know exactly how loss impacts you, Jay, or any of your listeners because. We all have a slightly different grief journey. And I think, you know, when you mentioned Elizabeth Kubler-Ross earlier, you know, yes, we're usually mad. That's one reaction to a loss. We don't use those stages, though, that she talked about, the stages of grief. We don't really use those as much in grief counseling like we used to. She didn't really even intend for those stages to be used to grief survivors. They were more for someone who, like my husband, who was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And we know that people don't necessarily move through stages. And part of the reason for that is everyone has their own grief journey. So that's why we don't recommend saying to someone, I know exactly how you feel or, or, you know, there's a reason there's, you know, those, those just are really hard to hear what i do recommend is i recommend that we show up we say something like i heard that 
you just lost your partner or your dog or your um, job, and I'm really sorry to hear this, and I'm wondering what are the best ways that I could be helpful right now and even down the road. And just put it out there and ask them because everyone might have some way they might need you to help, but we don't always know what it is. You know, some person might say, well, I've got people coming in for a service and if you could go, you know, meet their plane or I need a room in, in your house or I need someone to go to the store. I mean, it could be totally different. And then remember to show up for the long haul. And I like to say to people, you know, working, you know, being with your friend or family member who's just been through a hard loss, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And most of us get through the immediate aftermath of loss pretty well because there's a lot of things to do. You know, we're scrambling. There's a lot of things we have to do. We're busy. And there's a lot of people initially showing up and supporting us. And yet, as time goes on, we don't get that same level of support because people go back to their busy lives, right? And we're all busy. And we sort of forget. But, you know, just think about people you know. Your listeners know that have had a hard loss this year, and it might just be the hurricane, might be with the hurricane, but we've got the holidays coming up, and that's going to be a very difficult time for people who lost a house, were displaced, are still homeless, lost a lot of possessions in that hurricane. Holidays are going to be a trigger time. People that lost friends, have lost loved ones during the year, holidays are a trigger time. So I say, remember to keep checking back with the person. Keep checking in with them periodically. How are you doing? Uh, just Even if you just say, how are you doing? I want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Right. That means so much because one of the ways that we find meaning in loss and that we heal from loss is this might be maybe one of the most important ways, Jay, is through social support. Grief is a very isolating experience. We tend to feel very alone in grief. It can be very self-absorbing. We need to lean on our friends and our family. So we need everyone to show up for us. And that's how we help heal. Loneliness is a killer. And we don't need to feel lonely during grief and then not have people to lean on because then we're we're probably going to really struggle in healing. We're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier, and she's author of the book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. And by the way, folks, I'm telling you, this book is, when I say it's a phenomenal book, I mean that this is a phenomenal book. This is her journey after losing her husband, her dad, her Mom, her only sibling, sister, her dog, uh, the broken pineapple. Uh, I mean, because, <laughs> right? You know, right? The yeah. I mean, you I, did I, read the book word for word, I know, Jay. I did. I, I because I know what that's like. I, I do. When you, when you have a memory and you're connected with some object, and the object is broken, and it, it smashes to pieces. It smashes to pieces, and it devastates you for a moment. 
because yeah. it's yeah. The, that it was a shared memory you had with that person or that time or that event, and it's gone, and I can't yeah. bring it back. It, there's not enough glue in the world to piece it back together. I mean, yeah. it just isn't. By the way, I just want to let you know that it's so funny that you talked about social support and how important that is. By the way, folks, that's on page 100. It's literally on the very top of page 100 of her book is how important social support is. I am not making this up. It literally <laughs> is at the top of page 100. No, you're not. I agree. You're not making it up. No, it's literally at the top of people, – people often ask me, really, Jay? page 100 no literally i'm telling you social support is the subtitle on the top of page 100 about how important it is because folk and folks i'm going to go back to something that she said because i have grew i have grown up and i know that folks when we're going through pain and i've been through that line at at the funeral home where you're everybody's trying to say something and they always say you know i'm so sorry for your loss or you know they're trying to something you know and then you know, there's always that person who says, well, you know, there's a reason. You know, I, I can be honest with you, folks. When you're going through grief, nobody wants to hear that. And I have been guilty of saying sometimes to people, I know how you feel because I've gone through an incident. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Yes, my incident may be similar. Yes, I have been through the death of a dog I had to put down. Yes, I've been mm-hmm. through that. But I got to tell you, I really don't know how you feel, even though our... We may have a similar incident. I don't know how you feel. I don't know the depth mm-hmm. of that feeling. I don't know what that is. And, and and folks, I'm not chastising you because you're doing something on purpose. I know, just like you, I'm just trying to find words to say because I can't find them. And my intentions are pure. And, and those people who are grieving get it. But folks, if we could be a little bit more intentional and a little bit more planned, I'm going to encourage you not chastise you. I want to encourage you. Why don't you buy a set of movie tickets so that that person can get out of the house and go watch a movie? Great idea. Great idea. Why not? And, and, and Dr. Cormier says this. Sherry says this in her book. Why not give them a spa day? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not the group, right? You've got some old friends, right, that you all hang out together. Why don't the three of you chip in and create a spa day for yeah. that person, right? Chip take, in take the person out to lunch or dinner. Yeah. And by the way, folks, listen, I'm a great chef, and my, my wife has not cooked in the 20 years we've been married, okay, because I'm a great <laughs> chef, all right, and I love to cook. It's, it's a passion. Matter of fact, I have pork butts smoking on a grill as we're speaking right now, anyway, for a party. But folks, can I tell you something? And, and Dr. Cormier talks about this too. You know when you bring food to people's house thinking that you're kind of helping them out? So often they just throw the food out because... Folks, when you're kind of in a depressive state after loss, you don't feel like eating. No, and then, and you really thing, don't. No. And plus, you're inundated. You can't possibly eat all the food no. you get. No. And even like even with flowers, you flowers for first, one thing, flowers die. So there's that. Yeah, that's awesome. And often you don't have enough places in your house to put flowers. So thinking thinking about you know what would provide comfort to this person and then if you can do something that provides comfort and social support like well we're going to whisk this person away and take them out to this really nice place for dinner or, or lunch now they may say they may say oh you know I'm not up to it I I remember saying that Jay with friends they were a little persistent and I'm glad they were I was afraid 
you know, that I would go out with them and start to cry. And once or twice I did. And you know what? That's okay. Because with safe people, they understand that we're feeling really vulnerable and that we've been through this really tough time that makes us feel emotionally fragile. And they're okay if we shed a few tears while we're out over lunch or out over dinner. Or, you know, maybe if it's warm, we walk down for ice cream or something. They're okay with that. Most of the time, though, I actually didn't cry because the truth is it felt so good right. to get out yes. of my house and out of of just for a few little minutes thinking about what had happened to me and to hear other people sort of talking about normal experiences. And I got to tell you, one of the best pieces of of advice I got after Jay died was from some friends of mine who not too long before that had lost a child in an accident suddenly. And they said, and I agree with them, they said, you know, grief is such a heavy emotion that at times you have to try to take breaks from it. You have to get distracted. And that's really true. You you know, sometimes it might mean you've got to watch a TV show or I say, you know, do something fun. If you can, if you can't do anything fun, do something inspirational. You know, read an inspirational book. Get out in nature, take a walk, go to the beach if you live near the water, go on a hike. You know, all those kinds of things that are just likely go to a yoga class, go to a Zumba class, go work out. Little things that are likely to give you a breather uh, from this really heavy emotion that you do need to process. We do need to process the emotion and the feelings of sadness, because if we shove them up under the rug, they're likely to come back at a later time and haunt us, you know, in terms of anger and and maybe more sorrow and maybe not help us move through grief, but get stuck in grief over a longer period of time. We call that complicated grief. And that does happen to about 10 percent of people with a really hard loss, don't heal from grief and right. and they have complicated grief and they really do require professional intervention. Sure. For most of us, though, we can really heal by just applying some of these tools I talk about and recommend in Sweet Sorrow and then with really the sweet, dear support of our, of our dear family and friends and loved ones. We're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier, author of the book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief, and uh, unbelievable book. And we're talking about, you know, the journeys that we're all on when it comes to loss and grief, and not only on the journey that we can be on when lost and grief, but those of us who are trying to support those who have who are experiencing loss and, and grief, and some of the things that we need to be more aware of. And one of the things... Dr. Sherry, you don't know this about me, but I used to teach some brain anatomy and function in in some psychology classes. And so I was very, very intrigued when you talked about for the person who's going through this loss and is grieving, mm-hmm. is just how important it is to get some physical exercise to engage 
and I don't want to get too technical here, but the fact of the matter is, folks, we have about 5,000 plus neurotransmitters that go through a synaptic cleft that is microscopic, and there's a hundred billion of them. And when we are in a state of grief, uh, we have all sorts of crazy chemical exchanges here that are uh, unbalancing us, for lack of a better term, and it, to keep it simple. And you've probably have heard of serotonin and You've probably heard of MAI, MAOIs and all sorts of other things that we block to inhibit and make things work. Well, sometimes what Dr. Cormier is talking about in her book is, you know, just getting up and getting a little exercise can be, right, can be extraordinarily beneficial. Right. Right? Really, it really is so important, Jay, because, you know, exercise goes hand in hand, I think, with sleep and with the way that we eat. But move, any kind of movement, you know, whether it's walking or getting on our bike, swimming, dancing, it releases hormones that do make our feelings and our mood states more positive. And it increases this thing in our body we call endorphins that make us just feel more, give us more energy, make us feel more positively. And also exercise helps us sleep better. Those things also impact our immune immune system, sort of reboot the immune system. And also when we don't sleep and when we don't exercise, you know, we're more likely to, we, we have, I think, more of an appetite and we want bad stuff. You know, we want to reach for junk food like cake and candy and, you know, processed food rather than the Mediterranean diet that we know is so great in preventing inflammation in our bodies like fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and olive oil and things like that. Um, I was back at the gym within a week of losing Jay. And my gym at the time, I loved it because it had this sign, a banner really, and it said, if you don't take care of your body, where will you live? I think that's such a phenomenal slogan when you think about it. it really is. If we don't take care of our body, where will we live? Yeah. I just got done. I'm very interested in cancer because, you know, Jay died from cancer. And I just got done listening to a lot of um, sessions, podcasts on a Healing from Cancer Summit. And they they really stressed the role of exercise and movement. In, in cancer prevention as well as cancer treatment. Because when we don't exercise, it sets the body up for all these kinds of processes. It's like a cascade, a negative cascade of events that start happening in our body that then really increase our risk for many chronic diseases like diabetes, terminal illnesses like cancer. So exercise is one of the most important ways we can stay healthy. And again, you know, if you don't like to go to the gym, get a walking buddy, join a hiking club, join a kayaking club. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get movement in that don't have to feel unpleasant. (laughs) <laughs> that can actually be fun. <laughs> I love that. That don't have to feel unpleasant. I, you know, right? 
I, well, I'm a big, I'm an avid gym guy, so I love. Me the, too. Well, me too. I love the gym, I, but I, you know, yeah. Jay, not some people hate to go to the I gym, and I, that's their reason for not exercising. They'll say, "Well, I don't like gyms." Fine, go take a walk then around your neighborhood, find a trail, right. join a swim club, right. go kayak in a lake. You know, get something in your home. I know people that have bought this Peloton bike system oh, in their yeah. home, and they too. swear by it. I know. I got a friend. She just did it. She just did it too. She, she. They they become like kind of like addicts to it. So there's so many ways we can <laughs> achieve this goal of taking care of our bodies with movement. If we don't like a gym, I love a gym, but you know, not everyone does. No, they don't. And, you know, what I found, you know, what I found so interesting about this book. And, 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 and let me tell you what, the, here's the good news. All right. So I make it through this book, right? Here's the good news of this book. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're hitting on it. Right. So you're, you're sharing with me your journey and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing all this stuff going on and, um, and I'm hearing all this happen. And so, um, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff going on in your life and I'm reading through it and you're stealing my show. You literally, have, <laughs> you literally are stealing. Because I'm talking about the physicality and the spirituality well, you, and the emotion. You, you, you went, you went, you went engaging yourself physically, engaging yourself mentally. And you were doing, you know, you even, you even started to take some other, you know, do some other things to engage your mind in a different way. And, mm -hmm. and so you, here you were, you were engaging yourself and mm -hmm. mentally, and then you were talking emotionally about the things that you were doing emotionally. And then, you know, you're talking about your spiritual journey and studying all these spiritual things. So here I am watching you quote all this research that you clearly have read because you've been reading philosophers, you've been reading, I mean, there's a lot of, you've been doing research on things that people, you know, You've got quotes at the beginning of certain sections of the book, and I'm like, it's okay, so she's engaging herself mentally, and then she's emotionally relating. She's connecting to other people. She keeps talking about Joan. Mm -hmm. Is it Joan? Wasn't it Joan? One of your friends, Joan, I think it was, or something like that? Yeah, Joan. Yeah, and, yeah. right? And so I'm like going, well, Joan. Jack and Joan. Yeah, and, yeah, and the friends, and, you know, she's talking, you know, you talked about how difficult it was, you know. You know, you're going to these parties. A lot of people don't think about this stuff, by the way. Here you are. Jay's, Jay's passed away. Not this Jay. Her Jay. Dies. And and then you're going, and then everybody wants to invite you to these parties with other couples. God, that's just, what are we thinking? Sometimes I, I almost say to myself. Because we know, how that. I mean, I'm thinking about this as you're describing the situation where it's just hard, you know, even to get on Facebook. It was hard to even get yeah. on Facebook because... You're seeing all these couples, right? And yeah. It's not their fault. You know, and parties especially. Again, it's sort of like what do you when we were talking about saying mindless things to people that have just lost, gone through a loss. And so, if you're the only single person, and everyone there is at a social event, part of a couple, and they're all talking about their couple plans. Well, we're going here. We're going there. You know. Tim and I are going to go do this, and John and I are going to do, go do this, and you're feeling like, a, you know, 
you, you don't know. I mean, you're feeling left out. You're feeling sad. You're feeling like kind of a fifth wheel in the room because, you know, it's bringing up all these memories of the things that you used to do with your partner in my case, because it was, it was a person, a husband loss. And, you know, the thing is about loss, I think that the hard thing about that is loss really disrupts our future. It it disrupts our plans. Like when we get hit with a loss, like you talk about the people that just lost their house in this Hurricane Michael or down in Florida, you know, with Hurricane Florence. You know, the thing is we had plans in that area of the country with our beach house we were going to grow old there we were going to die and give that beach house to our kids and future generations we were going to have our holidays there and you know what the house isn't there anymore so in a sense part of our future has been wiped out by that loss and that's one of the most difficult things about loss but then if we're around everyone who's still talking about their beach house that they still have and how they're going down in, you know, a month for Thanksgiving and then two months for the holidays and Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever you celebrate, uh, Kwanzaa. And then we don't have a house, right? So, yeah, I mean, we're feeling like a fish out of water in a way. I mean, literally and figuratively. It's just stuff that we don't think about. Sherry, I mean, we, we just we just don't think about it very much. I mean, because you know, and you know, the other thing that you said in your book, which is so true, and I and I've got somebody in mind. I'm not going to mention their name on the air because they may listen to the show. But there's a couple things that you said in your book. One is year three was just hard. Everybody showed up year one. Year two, mm-hmm. people were still working, but year three was the loneliest. Yeah. 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 I mean, literally, and and you you you've touched on it, but and I'm I'm thinking about somebody you know who's in year three after a law a devastating loss in their <laughs> life, and you know what? It's really true. It's kind of like had you not had you not written this book, I would have completely forgotten and just and moved about on. that person in year yes. three so because you, so, yes. right because we have this notion more so in the United States, I think, than other countries, we have this notion that we should just move on and get over grief quickly. Mm. We, you know, to be really honest, we're sort of grief phobic in the United States. I think one of the reasons we struggle to know what to say to a grief stricken person is we all feel awkward around people who are grief stricken. Mm. It's an awkward thing. And we don't, we kind of don't like to be around grief-stricken people, and I think part of the reason is, like let's say in in my case where I had just lost all these people and I was very sorrowful, um, I think it reminds us of our own mortality. We're like, oh my God, she just lost her dad, her husband, her mother, her sister, her dog. Who's the next to go? What if it's me? And we don't want to be reminded of our of the fact that we're going to die one day too. So we kind of push people, I think, get over grief quickly. But we are not meant to get over grief. We're meant to remember grief. We're meant to remember the people and the things we're, we've lost. 
We're meant to learn from loss. We're meant to integrate the loss into our lives. But you're so right, Jay. Like the rest of us who are going around, we don't remember that that person you're thinking of right now is in your starting year three and probably feeling very alone and very isolated and could use a huge shout out from you. You, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. By the way, uh, Dr. Sherry Cormier, uh, author of the book Sweet Stars, she's also a licensed psychologist. And uh, this book, let me let me tell you something. I hope I hope that one of the things that you get uh, at, from this book that and I, I want to give to you is that this book, as hard as it was for me, I mean, it was an eye opener. It woke me up. But one of the things that the gift that you gave me was to think about those people who've lost someone significant that I've left alone. Mm-hmm. And that's a truth. Mm-hmm. You, you gave me that gift through this book. And, and so I, can't, mm-hmm. I cannot thank you enough for that gift because it was so, I know that may not have been one of the intentions of your book, but truly it was, it, the book is such a gift for me to go, I need to take this person out because I haven't spoke to this person in two years since their loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to, and, and I, I feel so grateful. I, that actually was an intention of mine. I mean, my intention is to provide comfort and hope to those going through an immediate loss and also to sort of raise awareness for people about, you know, this whole issue of how do we respond to people who are in the middle of heartbreaking loss and i i feel so grateful that you you got the message for one thing you know you were astute enough jay to say i need to really be aware of people in my life and my family and my work and my friend circle that you know that i just want to check in with now and i want to do want to stress because we are moving into november and december and the new year, and this can be a more challenging time for many people with loss. The holidays, you know, we have those things called blue, B-L-U-E, blue holidays, because people, grief survivors, can get to feeling very, very blue when other people around them are celebrating and, and you know, there's a lot of hoopla-la going on, and they're just, you know, feeling like I don't even... I don't even want to, you know, get a box of decorations out or be festive or anything. Well, and then, you know, let's couple that with the fact that, and again, I don't want to get too overly psychological here, but I don't care what people say. Seasonal affective disorder, when we've got more darkness and, and, and yeah. I mean, right, it, I'm sorry, there's just, um, it, we're, we're inside more, there's more darkness this time of year, and then you couple that. And the time that. changes, and then it gets dark, you know, we're into the winter where it gets dark around 5 at I night. Yes. That's really hard on people. Even, you don't even have to be struggling with loss. No. To have that phenomenon affect us emotionally. Yeah, and you the, know, and just yeah. feeling melancholy. Yeah, and add to it, add to that loss. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, and then right. and then you got people <laughs> celebrating a holiday that you right. you cannot celebrate. Oh my gosh! I mean, talk about complicated, 
you know, <laughs> a, you know. I mean, well, I think you used that there was one uh, term where cumulative is not is it cumulative grief? Yeah, cumulative yeah. grief, right? Because there can loss be- upon loss upon loss in a short period of time leads for for many people to what we call cumulative grief, and you almost don't have time to process right. one loss before you're hit with something else. I mean. I know somebody that lost, in one year, lost both parents and a job in one year. We all know people like that, though. You know, they get hit with with maybe loss of some kind in, in maybe two or three or four things in a year. That's cumulative grief. You can hardly process one loss. Like you said earlier, you know, you get, like, knocked down by another surge or wave of grief coming in because you get hit with another big loss yeah. a couple months later. Yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem to end. We're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier. Uh, she's been brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers. Inline Business Brokers and Advisor Partners partners with business owners. When it's time to sell their business, when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. Uh, they have been... Uh, they have helped literally thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses. And when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can learn more at inline.com. That's www.enlign.com. And they're sponsoring today's show. And Dr. Sherry Cormier and her book, as I'm holding it up, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness and Loss After Grief. Grief. I, I don't want to keep, I know we're over time. But I, I gotta ask you a few more questions if you if you don't mind. Do you have, do you have a minute? I'm fine on time. I have no, okay. I have nothing that I need to do or no place I need to be. Well, thank, first of all, thank you for extending some extra time because I, I, I'm grateful for that. And because there's a couple things I want to get to. And one is something that you brought up earlier, and that is, is it not interesting to you that even though we've all gone through grief, I mean, if you lived if you've lived long enough, we've all gone through grief. And yet here you know, having gone through grief and loss, you know what you feel like. And yet you still can say the same dumb things to people who are going through mm-hmm. loss and grief. Yes, I can. I can. And I'm a bereavement trauma specialist, too. I have to be very mindful and think through what I want to write as a note or on a card or you know, say to someone if I'm going to visit them, I have to slow down, take a couple breaths, and be very mindful about that. Yes. Yeah, I just I I found that so I find it so interesting because as you were as you were kind of you know you know looking straight at my eyes and then smacking me in the face with with this <laughs> thing about the dumb things that I've done and said. Not intentionally, no, of course, no, but it, was good. it was good for me. I know, listen, listen, Sherry, it's good for me. Trust me, it's really good for me. I, I mean, you got. I mean, I just felt like you were this. You, I, I got, got your attention. I think I got your attention you, with the I book. Was back, I was back playing football again, and you were my coach, and you were in my grill, and literally were. <laughs> you, you literally were letting me know. Come on, man, you're better than that. You could do. You could do this better. <laughs> I love I love that actually I love that sports uh, analogy and it's so, it's great football season now I'm yeah, a big right. football I, fan I, anyway yeah I, and I and so I could I mean that's really what I felt I felt like oh there's Coach Cormier she's you know she's <laughs> <in the face. laughs> 
I've been called a lot of things in my life. I think that might be the first time I've been called coach. So I take that as a compliment. Please do. do. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you, when you were were slapping me around with, did you really, did you really say that? Well, yeah, coach, I did. Why are you saying that? Have you been through how many losses and you still said, you know, there's a reason? Did you really say there's a reason for that? You know, Coach, I, stop it. Stop saying it. I know that's not how you said it in your book, but that's how I heard it in my head. Um, it was, it's true. Um, but one of the things that I so loved about the healing process that I, I don't want people to overlook this problem because it's a, this piece, because it's it's a, it's not a lengthy piece within the book, but it's a very powerful piece in the book. And that is the power of gratitude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the blessings are gratitude. And that is so important because, you know, speaking of, of, we were talking a little bit earlier about what exercise does to the brain. And we know that even thinking gratefully or thinking about something we feel good about, it sort of also rewires our brain. Um, our thinking is so important, and if we can think of something we're grateful for, speaking of which, you know, I had to do this this morning. I tried to go to my gym, and there was a huge accident. I think it's why my Verizon is actually down, and um, it closed the road, and I could not get to the gym. So I had to turn, and in fact, I had to turn around and take a back road and come back home. Now, I could have felt frustrated. I could have felt really negative. I chose to feel grateful in that moment. And I, first of all, I was grateful that I had not left my house a little bit earlier and been involved in the accident, right? Mm -hmm. A couple people died in it. So I felt grateful about that. Then I felt grateful because in taking the detour to come back home, it put me on a road that I'm not usually on that was very pastoral and very peaceful. And there were a lot of animals on the road. I mean, not, uh, you know, like not roaming animals, but horse farms and sheep and lambs and, you know, baby animals. And I was feeling grateful to see all that. It's so important. Gratitude is so important. It's hard when we're grief-stricken, if we've just lost a house in a hurricane, it's hard to feel grateful. And yet, it's so important to think about what are some small things we can feel grateful for. Well, we didn't lose our life. That's important. Um, we still have our friends. Those people are important. We still have our livelihood. That's important. Because the more negative we think, the less grateful we are, we're actually impacting our bodies. Our bodies hear what we think, and our cells hear what we think. And there's these little things on the end of our cells. If you think of shoelaces, and, you know, the shoelace has that little plastic tip at the end. Our cells are like that. They have a little tip at the end called a telomere. And that kind of chronic stress and chronic frustration and that chronic negative thinking, that shortens those little end caps on cells called telomeres. And then as they get shorter and shorter, 
that that we die sooner and we get you know we get sick sooner so gratitude also like exercise help helps us stay healthy it helps feed and nourish our brains and feed and nourish our bodies in a very positive way and i love to recommend to people when you get up in the morning think of one thing you feel grateful for as soon as you wake up when you go to sleep think of one thing at night that happened that day that you feel is a, is a blessing and you know even write it down i'm big about writing things down i think the act of writing what we're grateful for writing it down just strengthens those positive neural pathways in our brain and it actually makes us feel more grateful you know, so that's huge gratitude is huge and i want to i want to tell you something why I'm, I'm such a firm believer in this and i'm i'm a firm believer in writing it down i had listened to um by the way you're you're listening to and watching a new direction on facebook live right now and uh, by the way, you're listening to us probably on iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Google Play, all those things. Thank you, by the way, for tuning in and paying attention and listening to us. Uh, whether you are, we're talking with Dr. Sherry Cormier and her book, Sweet Sorrow, uh, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. Absolutely fabulous book. Please, will you go to your local bookstore and get it? Please get this book. Uh, go to Amazon as well and get the book. And we're in overtime. <laughs> with her right? she, uh, speaking of football we went into overtime only we're not we're not opponents and we're not having to win no, no we're not but she's being so gracious uh, right now uh so i was listening to a book by um an author uh, rabbi daniel lapin it was called uh, biblical i think it was called biblical tools for success or something like that anyway he was talking about one of the things that you do is write down five to ten things when you first wake up in the morning that you're grateful for. Yeah. And it was really interesting, the journey that I had when I did this. And I'm sharing this with you because it, it reinforces what you're saying. I started writing out just the words. You know, okay, you know, house, wife, dog, coffee, <laughs> right? And yeah. But as I did it every morning, all of a sudden it became... I am grateful for my breath of life. I am grateful yeah. for, I mean, it became deeper. I'm grateful for the fact that I, I love who I am. I am grateful for the fact that I am a better person today than I was yesterday. Though all of a sudden it changed. I was no longer grateful yeah. for just things. I was grateful right. for things much deeper and I'm writing it out. And all of a sudden it became this, the morning would be a page and a half of of just why because i think one of the things that you say you know when we talk about gratitude don't just put down what you're grateful for why are you grateful for it what, yeah because that yes that's so important and you know what i'm what i'm hearing listening to you jay that i think is so wonderful about this illustration you're sharing with listeners is i think the more you do this you know gratitude to me is like meditation it's a practice it's like exercise. It's a practice. It's something you have to keep keep up with. You know, you have to keep at it. As you do this, what I'm aware of in listening to you in that story and that illustration 
is as you kept at it, not only did your practice of gratitude deepen, but you started noticing and writing about even different things. Mm -hmm. And we know that's really important, that if we just got up every morning and just said, every morning I'm grateful for my house, my dog, my coffee, and my partner, and did that over and over, that wouldn't have, after a while, that wouldn't have as much impact. As we, as we keep at it, then we find new things to be grateful for. Like, I'm a better person today than I was yesterday, was one of the things you mentioned. Yeah. You started writing about new things, yes. the breath of life, being grateful for our breath. So the more things, the more we do it, the more new things we become mindful of, we become aware of. Um, you know, like right now we're going to be getting rain. Right. I love sunshine. I'll be the first to tell you I love sunshine. And yet I'm now, you know, going to be feeling grateful we're going to get rain because that's going to give me permission later today to stay inside and read this new book that if it was sunny out, I wouldn't read. So the more that we can do gratitude and find blessings, the more things we become grateful about. And then the more positive we are, Mm -hmm. the more positive we are, the more positive people in our lives become. The more positive people in our lives become, the better the world is. And we've just created this fabulous change in the world by starting with our own individual gratitude practice. How cool is that? I, I, listen, listen, you're preaching to the choir, sister, because I'm telling you that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, I did it. I he, he in the book, he said, do it. Try it for 30 straight days. And I right. went, and and I did it for 30 straight days. And then it became such a habit. I did it for, I think, an entire year. Here was the beautiful epiphany that I had. What I was grateful for in the morning, regardless of what happened in my day, none of that changed. You still felt grateful for it that evening, even if you'd had a more difficult day. How could I be ungrateful for the things that I was grateful for in the morning? Yeah, I I agree. I had to go back, right? And I would... I'd go back at night and go, well, you know, it's still true. I am still grateful that my breath of life, I, you know, it's still true. I am glad that I'm a better person than I am today. Mm-hmm. I, right? I mean, I'm still grateful for my house and wife yeah, and dog yeah, and it's still here. morning coffee. It's still here. Morning and, Joe. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, just be, nothing changed. Even if my day was in the pits, nothing mm-hmm. changed in terms of what I was grateful for in the morning. Mm-hmm. And and I think doing, you know, and I think you're on to something else too, Jay. I think when you do it in the morning, it sets the tone for the day. You're developing an intention for the day that's really positive. And so if the day doesn't turn out to be as sunny as you had hoped or there was a sour person at work or something, you're not as impacted by that. No. Because you've started the day on on a on the right footing. Mm-hmm. I love that. We're with Dr. Sherry 
Cormier, author of the book Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. We have been talking for an hour and 15 minutes together. Oh, it really? Yes. It felt like, I, it felt like nothing. I know. It felt I, like I've been talking with you for 10 minutes. I, know, I, I tell this to every guest. They, they, they will say to me when we do the show, they will say to me, well, Jay, I, you know, I've only got 15, 30 minutes. And it, we were rolling over an hour. And they go, really? <laughs> it's an hour? And I go, I'm telling you, that's the way the show is, the way we do this show is that we become friends. I tell you, it's like we were sitting at the kitchen counter with a beverage and Italian meat and cheese tray, and we're just chatting. Right. And it just goes. That's right. Goes. We're having a great conversation, and I've so, I've so enjoyed talking with you, Jay, and all of your listeners, and uh, it's just been such a treat for me to be with you today, and I'm I'm grateful for you and the work you do in the world you. through your New Direction show. Thank you. So I ask every guest at the end of the show to do something, and, and, and this puts you on the spot a little bit, but I have so much confidence in you um, because um, of, of who you are and this beautiful book that you've written that you've coached me, um, which I'm so grateful for that you've coached me. <laughs> um, but I ask um, every guest to leave our folks with a new direction in some way. So if you could leave our folks with a new direction in some way, what would you leave them with? Well, I think if I could leave your listeners with a new direction, and particularly those listeners that are really struggling now with loss, what I would say is as sad and as sorrowful and as heartbroken as you may feel in the moment, Remember that over time, loss is a catalyst for your growth and rebirth and reawakening. Mm. Uh, folks, I, I can't say, uh, and, and folks, amen. Uh, it's, if any, yes, folks, listen, you've been watching, listening to A New Direction, and you're probably listening to this podcast on a podcast somewhere in the future. Listen to it again. I'm telling you, it's going to teach you. It's going to help you. And folks, what I always tell you is, first of all, thank you for joining us. I'm always grateful that I have people like Dr. Cormier get to join me. And this was a dream that I didn't even know was a dream, was to do a show and help as many people as I could help. And I've been so amazingly blessed with guests like her. So folks, take this information and I want you to be inspired. And with that inspiration, I want you to be motivated to inspire someone else. Because when we're inspired and we're inspiring others, it starts to change the world around us. So folks, I thank you on behalf of me and Dr. Sherry Cormier. Thank you so much for what listening to the show. And we will see you again next week.